With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Lombardi Line. We're presented, as always, by BetMGM, and we've got you covered. Two hours of NFL betting discussion with the former NFL executive, Michael Lombardi. I'm Ben Wilson, Patrick Maher. He's back on the show tomorrow. Michael, you've got a fresh article up right now at vcin.com talking all things week five observations in the books. I know one of the things you wrote about was you think the Raiders are better than a one in four team. We had that discussion yesterday, but are you seeing this thing that just happened with Devontae Adams and, and the Raiders where star wide receiver gets charged apparently with misdemeanor assault? What, what are we doing here? <laughs> Well, I mean, look, initially when I first saw the video, I thought, oh, wow. But then when you see the video from behind him, I I don't know who put that up there. That was where actually I saw the guy jump in front of him, you know, and so like I thought it was a reaction to it. Look, I think, uh, you know, you you have to see it from all angles and and understand that I'm not defending Devontae Adams. But when I when I first initially saw it, I said, boy, that's not good at all. And then when I saw the behind the the behind him, there's a camera angle behind him where he literally the guy just jumps in front of him and he reacts to it. So look, you know, to to go to the court in this country, it really doesn't, everybody does it. That's where it's going to end up. Like when he got taken to the hospital, you knew this was going down further. I don't know. I'm sure he probably was hurt. I'm not saying he wasn't, but you know, I mean, you knew this was coming. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's surprised that this is coming and, I think the, what Devonte Adams apologized, but mm-hmm. I guess you know he, the, the the guy felt like maybe it wasn't quite enough. He went with the classic, yeah. I hope he sees or hears this apology. <laughs> We're talking about Adam shoving the freelance photographer after the Monday night game when he crosses right in front of him on his way to the tunnel, and we know what happens next. The report, though, they call it an intentional overt act that caused whiplash a headache, and a possible minor concussion. I'm going to go okay. ahead and call BS on that, Michael. We, we know there's well, no I, such thing as possible minor concussions. Either you have one or you don't. That's yeah, part I of mean, it. Come on. What, I mean, I'm sure, it's, uh, you know, I'm sure he's got some law firm that's on those billboards when you're driving by, you know, that's going to come in, yeah. take 40%, whatever we can get. I mean, look, first of all, I think the NFL has to do a better job of getting some of these people off the field. There's way too many people on the field. I mean, somebody's going to get hurt. I mean, I saw the cameraman. There was a guy over there that took a shot over there. I mean, there's some of the – and some of these teams are just his fault. There's way too many people on the field. I'm talking about real collisions. I'm not talking about what happened here and almost a a headache. So, look, it's going to dominate the news. The Raiders have a bye week. They'll figure it out. I don't think it's going to be that much of an issue. Yeah, at least fortunately for the Raiders, no game to prep for this week with that distraction. Have the bye week this week. I'll just say, having been down on the sidelines for a Raider game a season ago and covering the game, it's like you kind of understand if there are 250 to 300 pound guys wearing pads and helmets running in your general direction. I don't know, Michael. My initial reaction was maybe I'm just going to back up and like step out of the way while a bunch of these dudes who are twice my size come barreling right at me. Is that that shouldn't be an insane response? But that was my initial reaction. Maybe I should have just jumped right in front of them and uh, and got a nice payday. I don't know. 
I don't think fans really understand the violence that happens in the offensive and the defensive lines unless you watch a game on the field. Unless you're down there it's, literally just watching so it, how, how how physical it is, you know. And so I think the, the television gives it a little bit of a of a pristine per, uh, performance, a little bit cleaner than it actually the, the that what goes on and in those piles and in those skirmishes. I think that is so. Look, I I, I do agree with you. You better get out of the way when. Uh, you know, you better get out of the way when you're looking at this stuff. Yeah, I'm not exactly the you know heaviest of builds, Michael. I mean, I, you can probably tell that from where where, where you're sitting. So that's why my initial reaction was what it uh, what it was. Anyway, that is the story for today. That just happened before we hit the air uh, with Devonte Adams. We, he's still pending potential uh, discipline from the NFL. We'll see what happens this week. Again, Raiders do have the week six bye. As far as the rest of our show today, exciting Wednesday guest list for you. Megan Payton, who uh, handles all sorts of sports betting analysis for Wager Talk, joins us a little bit later this hour. Our guy Harry Gagden, the former Vegas Sportsbook supervisor and co-host of the Against All Odds podcast, fresh off a perfect week. Harry was brilliant last week in Week 5. He'll give his early Week 6 picks for us at 1.30 on the East Coast. As far as other injury storylines, though, we saw this drop about an hour ago. In Miami, where the Dolphins host the Vikings this week, no Tua Tagovailoa, the starting quarterback, already has been ruled out. And while backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater has yet to be ruled out, what we heard today from head coach Mike McDaniel, Michael, is that barring, uh, even barring any sort of setbacks, the only situation Bridgewater will see the field is at a, as a backup, even if he were to clear concussion protocol and ahead of Sunday's game there against Minnesota. So it's going to be Skylar Thompson, the third string quarterback. We saw him in relief against the Jets in a 40 to 19 loss last week. We saw the line go from Vikings three. It's now three and a half, basically market wide. How much of an adjustment would you make this number here with it being Thompson's first career NFL start in this one? I think the book already adjusted it that they felt like Thompson was going to play. Will Hill mentioned that yesterday on the air, and I think he was right. Uh, you know, to me, the decision McDaniels has to make is I, uh, the NFL in preparation and preparing for a game is ma- is a mathematical equation. How many reps do I have? How much time do I have? Remember, the players are still on a time restriction. It's not like you can be there all day. Practice is still limited. So if, if he thinks that Teddy's going to play – He's got to give Skyler all some of the reps because Teddy could get re-injured again, whether it's a concussion or whether it's his, you know, I don't know whether it was his back or his ribs, or but he had something else, the elbow. So to me, I think McDaniel's made the right call. Look, let's just play. Let's give Thompson all the reps this week in practice. Mm-hmm. We'll get him ready. We'll scale down the offense. We'll do exactly what he can do, and we'll manage him correctly in this game. They have a lot of hope for Skylar Thompson. So I think it's the smart play, and I don't think the number needs to get adjusted any further. Uh, I think the key number, the key issue is going to be, is Tyreek Hill going to play? I think that's something we don't know. He left the game in a boot, and you could say, well, that was precautionary. Look, if he doesn't play, this field gets tilted Definitely in a different way. And a firm questionable right now. McDaniel, the head coach, comes out today and says he will be at practice playing without a boot today. But when you consider what he means to that offense, and when you're you're potentially taking out a guy who has over 100 yards receiving per game, he's had four touchdowns so far in the five games to this point, and a touchdown in each game where he was fully healthy and active the whole time, didn't have to leave the injury. What does the Miami offense really look like, Michael, if even aside, setting aside the quarterback potential issues there and having a third stringer, when you think about how the way Hill just spreads the field and makes life so much easier for the other targets in that Miami yeah. offense? You know, I mean, he's so good, right? And you, and he creates, you know, he's a Tuesday player. What, what is a Tuesday player? A Tuesday player is somebody that you spend all day game planning, figuring out how we're going to stop this guy, right? Like, how are we going to handle this player? And where they line him up, how they handle him. And Tuesday players should go to the Hall of Fame. That's, to me, where you get into the Hall of Fame is when you're a Tuesday player where all the conversation is, okay, I'm at Carolina. we got to block Aaron Donald. He's a Tuesday player. we got to stop Tyreek Hill. He's a Tuesday player. Travis Kelsey's a Tuesday player. You know, so these Devontae Adams are Tuesday players. you got to handle How are we going to handle it? Because if we don't handle him, he's going to take over the game. And that's really – and then so what he does is he sets up everybody else. He makes everybody else around him more successful because of they've got a scheme around him. And what's what was happening early in the season was nobody was really comfortable how to play Miami yet. 
because they wanted to take away the RPOs, but that wasn't quite there. And then they've, you know, they got, got Baltimore got ahead of them, and they were able to make plays late in the game, which was Baltimore's mistake. So, you know, it's challenging. And so now if Waddle's the only guy on the field, you can double Waddle and you don't have to worry about Hill. Now you have to worry about Gusecki and, you know, and Sheffield's not going to beat you. So I, I think that's what happens. And they've got to run the football more effectively. That's one of the things they, they did a little bit against the Jets. That got better. But for the most part, they hadn't run the ball very well. And you think about how that game just snowballed where Jason Myers misses a field goal down 19-17 that would have given Miami the lead early fourth quarter. Next thing you look up, and it's a 40-17 to game, three touchdowns yeah. in the final 10-plus minutes it's a lot, That game was a lot yeah. closer. I know Jet fans exactly. are going crazy with that game, but that game. But look, I think the Miami issue, Ben, if you're betting Miami, I think you got to be a little concerned because Miami's defense is not played to the level that it played last year. It really hasn't. I thought Brian Flores did a really good job. When Josh Boyer was coordinating early in the season, they were playing a lot of man, and, Bo- and basically Flores came in and said, no, 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 we're going to change this stuff up here a little bit we got to get some zone pressures we got to get you know we can't be a man-to-man team or else we're going to get burnt and this year they've gotten burnt they're the, one of the worst third down teams in football they give it up almost at 50 percent of the time that's that's concerning you know and they haven't been able to stop the run that they've allowed teams to have seven rushing touchdowns people ask me this all the time why are red zones it's so hard to score the red zone because typically you can't run the ball in in the red zone mm-hmm. you just can't run the ball in they've actually given up almost as many red zone runs touchdowns as they have touchdown passes you and you think about how that translates to the Minnesota matchup and on the one hand you could say can you really trust Minnesota with a defense that's 21st against the pass, 21st against the run, laying over a field goal in Miami? But if you're the Dolphins, you're 30th against the pass this year. Only the Lions and Seahawks are worse. How is Justin yeah. Jefferson not getting triple-digit yards in this game? That, that's the question if you're Miami, right? I don't know how he doesn't get triple-digit yards. I mean, and even if, you know, he'll, they, they do a nice job of finding ways to get him the ball, even though he's going to get doubled. But I, 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 to me, this game is really about Minnesota's offensive line because when they played in London, right, when they were over there in London, you know, and they got into a third-down situation, they struggled to protect in London. They'll struggle to protect. And then how about the heat and humidity? I mean, Minnesota hasn't felt this heat and humidity in a while. It'll be hot in Miami this weekend. A couple of rookie head coaches going at it. Kevin O'Connell on the Minnesota side, Mike McDaniel for Miami. Seven and three combined, the straight up records, but we'll see. Are there some cracks that might be exposed? Interesting matchup here with that third string quarterback, Skylar Thompson, uh, now set to get the start. That's the news coming out this morning. On the other side, we mentioned how Michael has that new article out at vsin.com. Michael, you wrote about the Cowboys, you wrote about the Lions. We want to get into both of those teams on the other side and an NFC East preview as well with a big showdown coming up this week in Philadelphia. That's all still to come here on the Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM. Sports BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Again, you can see all of Michael Lombardi's weekly NFL insights as a VEASAN Pro subscriber. New article up that was just posted yesterday. Also new episode of the GM Shuffle with Femi Abebefe. That is available wherever you get your podcasts right now. And as far as the big matchup we're talking about this week, there's a couple of them. The main game, Michael, in the NFC East is this Cowboy-Eagle matchup. We hear Mm. this morning, likely according to everything coming out of Dallas, likely going to see Cooper Rush start once again. And you wrote about what the Cowboys ought to do once quarterback Dak Prescott eventually comes back. But with having Cooper Rush in, Dallas is 4-0 with him as a starter just this season after getting obliterated opening night by Tampa. As we look at what's actually working for Dallas when Rush has been in there at QB, what have you honed in on when you've watched the tape on Dallas and you've seen all the success they've had, even as they come into this game here, now catching a six-point line, the highest it's been all week against Philly. Yeah, it moved. You know, it moved a little. I thought it was going to move. I I had this line, to me, I had this as a 4.58 line to start off the week, but it was going to move. I think the number one thing is Dallas decided they're not going to lose games. They're going to not turn this ball over, and they're going to go back to their two best players, which is Zeke Elliott and, and, and Tony Pollard, and they're going to try to feature them they're going to punt the ball if they have to. The punt's not a bad play, and they're not going to get concerned about, you know, trying to gain yards and get a head coaching job for, you know, their offensive coordinator. So I think, you know, they're number one in the league in turnovers. They don't haven't turned the ball over. They're 30th in the league in first downs. Think about that, right? So they don't get very many first downs. They got 10 last week, but, they, but they're able to protect the football, and they punt. And because of that, because they don't make mistakes, their defense – which has created over the last four weeks, has created six turnovers, three last week against the Rams. And they win the game because they're able to stop the teams from running the football particularly, but when they get into passing situations, they can't really throw it. I mean, the, up until the Ram game, no team against the Cowboys had gained 200 yards in the air. Think about that that's now. Amazing. Think, that's amazing, right? So that's why, you know, that's why they're so successful. They turn the ball over. They play great pass defense. They rush the passer. And, they're, you know, they're third in points allowed as a defense. You know, that's the formula. You know, we all talk about offensive football. It's funny. I was writing an article for the Daily Coach on Monday about Bill Walsh's blueprint to be successful, right? And everybody would think, Number one, have to have a great, you know, offense. Number two, wide receivers. Number three, you know, all that. No, number one, have to have talent on defense. Number two, have to have a pass rush that can win the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's essentially the game is still the game, right? If, if you're going to throw it as much as some of these teams do, you got to have a, find a way to neutralize a passing pass game. And the only way you really do that is through a defensive front. 
And Dallas lead the league in sacks so far. 13 to this point, tied for fourth in the league in EPA per play. You mentioned the yard stat, which is mind-blowing. when You don't allow, in today's NFL, 200 yards passing in your first four games, and it only took garbage time for quarterback Matthew Stafford and right. the Rams to get there And they last haven't week. given up over 20 points a game. I mean, the last since, since Cup's taken over, they've given up 17, 16, 10, and 10. I mean, the Eagles score more points in the four, in the second quarter than the Cowboys have allowed. Ninety-five points for the Eagles. That's an NFL record. Most points through five weeks in any quarter in NFL history, and that comes now leads to the crux of the breakdown for this game. If you're Dallas, you've been so good defensively, but as you mentioned, offensively, twenty-third in yards per play, twenty-eighth in yards per drive on average. Without that kind of balance, even if you aren't shooting yourselves in the foot whatsoever offensively, and you can measure that by seeing how Dallas is plus five in turnovers, tied for second in the league, but against an elite team like Philadelphia, who's undefeated, your last undefeated team in the league, how much longer can you keep that going when you just aren't getting the consistent production with high-scoring plays, at least on your offensive side? Well, I think that the buzzsaw here and why the line's moving towards Philadelphia, uh, you know, away from Dallas and, you know, is because this Eagle defense has played pretty well too, right? And so that, that I think, is the bigger issue. This is really – it's a game – it's a marquee game where we're talking about two really good offenses or there was one time Dak Prescott versus Jalen Hurts. But really, this is a game – this is two really good defenses, Two really good defenses that that are physical up front, that can rush the passer, that create problems. Now the Eagles don't dominate in the passing game as as in the, in the run defense as the before you can run, but they're as good on. You don't make plays in the passing game against them. Now they have You could say, well, they haven't played any. You know, they played Kirk Cousins. They held him down. You know, they Trevor Lawrence. They stripped the ball out of his hand four times last week against Murray. Murray really couldn't do very much. Now, you know, and they turned the ball over the last, what, the last two weeks they've created six turnovers. So this to me is where the buzzsaw starts. They're going against a defense that Dallas is going to have to do a little bit more than they're going to be comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And whether they can execute that is going to be C.D. Lamb, for as good as C.D. Lamb is, Ben, he has too many drops. Like He can't have drops this week. And you think about his quarterback, as we told you about, likely another start for Cooper Rush, who, to give him credit, for a guy coming in, has, has done exactly what he's asked. He's 18th in adjusted EPA per play right now among quarterbacks. That's below guys like Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill, but he's above Daniel Jones, Jared Goff. So you're right in that mid-tier level. I know you have thoughts on Jared Goff, the Lions quarterback after the outdoor yeah. play this past week, but that's what you're getting uh, with a guy like Cooper Rush. Should we discuss yep. Jared Goff, though, for a couple minutes? Now, now, let's just stay off Dallas for one okay, second. I think it. this uh, – Philadelphia, I think what, what – one of the, when you cite those second-quarter numbers, they translate into other numbers. This is where I always have issues with analytics is, tell me what that means. You know, what does that mean? Tell me what it means. Let's extend it out. Give me second-order thinking here. Okay, so because they so dominant in the second quarter – what that means is teams don't even tr- – they can't run the ball on They can't even attempt to run the ball on them, right? The Eagles have allowed – think about this. The Eagles are 25th in the National Football League in yards per attempt against them. 25th. They're second in rushing attempts against them. That's a contradiction, right? You'd say that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Teams are, 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 are not attempting to run, but they have success running the ball. Why is that, right? Well, the reason is because – They get behind. They can't. They're 28th in facing the most passing attempts because that's why. So that to me is it's 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 jig and jag. You got to go back and forth with it. That's a great point. Game flow and how these games play out. When you have a team like Philadelphia who has not trailed in the second half yet this season, it's a pretty good indicator where some stats have more weight than others. I wonder on the Philadelphia offensive side, and you think about, okay, building a lead, something Philadelphia's been great at so far. Three starting offensive linemen are all questionable coming in. We saw two get hurt, the left guard, Landon Dickerson, and the center, Jason Kelsey. Kelsey came back late in the game against Arizona, but left tackle Jordan Mailata was already out in that game. We don't know what the status is for all three. And you just laid out everything on the Dallas defensive end. How big of the handicap is going to be tied to those three offensive linemen specifically this week? It's going to be really tied to it. And it's going to be tied to how Dan Quinn wants to defend this team too, right? So when you play Philadelphia, 
you know, first of all, you know, both these defenses are, are right at the same numbers, 4.7 yards per play, you know, and actually Dallas is better in, 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 in yards per opponent yard per play. So, but you're going to have to set this defense outside in and you're going to have to stop Hurts from running. You're going to have to do what Jacksonville tried to do, only do it better by playing better inside. And force Hurts to try to make throws. Mm-hmm. Force him to throw the ball into tight windows. Force him to try to change up and read it on the run. And you've got to be able to spy him. You've got to be able to tackle him. I mean, that's the big issue, too, is you've got to be able to get him on the ground. At the same time with Philadelphia, we headed, we headed into that Jacksonville game, remember, into week four, saying, all right, we haven't seen Philadelphia really tested to this point. We haven't seen Philadelphia have to come from behind at all. Well, go down 14 nothing against Jacksonville. They were tested there. Come from behind, score 29 straight points and win. Then we said, well, they haven't really been in a close game late. Tie game with three minutes to go against Arizona last week. Get the go-ahead field goal. Hang on in pretty fortuitous manner with a short field goal missed by the Cardinals kicker, Matt Amendola. But get the job done there in another situation we had not seen Philadelphia do yet. So at this point, 5-0 and team. Seems like they've checked off all the boxes, Michael. What what else is is there for Philadelphia to prove, at least to us, that they are an elite team at this point? Well, they don't. They just have to keep playing elite. And the fact that they have a bye after this game, I think, is significant, right? Because that's always a huge motivating for players to say, hey, after this, if we win this game, you guys got a bye. You're off for the week. And then they come back after the bye. They play Pittsburgh, Houston, and Washington. Pretty, I mean, they're going to be 8 0, yeah. 8 0 before if they win this game. I mean, how are they going to lose that? It's a nice little schedule stretch after the bye week for Philadelphia. And there's a bunch of teams. We're getting into that stretch. Bye weeks. We have our first week of buys this week in week number five. One of those teams on buy is Detroit. I would be remiss if I didn't get your thoughts on Jared Goff. We have some outdoor oh, we stats get back to Jared Goff, yeah, we Goff will. in Detroit. So we'll do that next. Also, let's get into some divisional breakdowns. What is going on in the AFC South? That's a question we have to try and unpack next. Odds are all over the place. So we'll discuss when we continue here on the Lombardi Line. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Basketball season is ready to tip off, and now is the time to grab your VSIN Pro Basketball Betting Guide with season prep on all 30 teams. Our hoops experts, including Jonathan Von Tobel, provide strategy and advice, as well as predictions for conference winners, win totals, playoff teams, and player awards. We also have five betting tips for beginning NBA bettors. Give yourself an edge this NBA season and get the VEASAN NBA betting guide by becoming a VEASAN Pro subscriber today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. In case you missed it, our resident 76ers guy, Michael Lombardi, yeah. down on Philly this year, under 50 oh, yeah. and a half wins. Everybody, everybody wants to bet that over. I, I would lean towards the under. I, I think to me, you'll see... I think it's going to be hard. I mean, I just watched the preseason games, and, you know, they want the big fella to get down the low post, and he's out there in the three-point line, and they have no spacing. It's going to be fun to watch how this all comes out. Joel Embiid, we'll see how far he can take Philadelphia with him. He and uh, James Harden there in Philly this year. Uh, Speaking of teams who I imagine you were on the under to start the season, a lot of people like this team, though, based on their appearance at Hard Knocks at HBO. The Detroit Lions. We're sitting mm-hmm. one and four now through five weeks. And you wrote in your article for VEASAN.com about Jared Goff and the, at the quarterback position. The first time we had seen him outdoors this year, it didn't go well. 29 nothing loss no. at New England against the third-string quarterback in Bailey Zappi on the Patriots side. What have you noticed specifically with Goff when you just watched the film comparing indoors to outdoors, even though I, I realize it shouldn't, at least in 2022, seem like a huge distinction, but clearly, in your opinion, it still is, it, it seems like. You know, I, I think to me, when he goes out there, it's just not the perfect environment. I, I mean, this game really didn't, you know, I mean, it was 59 degrees and it wasn't that windy, but he didn't really have control of the football. It was one of his worst passing games of the season. He only threw for 188 yards. And, you know, I think the Patriots had a really good handle on what they were trying to accomplish offensively. And they kept going for it on fourth down. And, and you know, Goff is not one of those guys that is – he's a little bit like Daniel Jones. I mean, he doesn't always protect the football to the level he needs to protect it. And and the ball slips out, and all of a sudden, you know, he's, he loses two fumbles in the game. One of them goes back for his touchdown. 
Look, Goff has played really well up until this point, and Goff will struggle if they have to go to Chicago late in the year, if they have to play a cold-weather game, because that's not his cup of tea. They play Chicago on the first day of January, so that won't be well. you know. But other than that, they go to Buffalo in November. That won't be good. you know. They go to Green Bay in November. That might not be good. So to me, it's just this Lion team – is so bad defensively. I mean, everybody gave Belichick a, a lot of crap about drafting Cole Strange in the first in the first round, right? And Aiden Hutchinson was applauded as the greatest draft pick in the history of football, right? I mean, not that they blocked one another, but Strange is really a good player, mm-hmm. and Hutchinson didn't do a damn thing. I mean, in that game, right. he got tossed a shutout. I mean, like at some point, can we stop evaluating the drafts on draft day? Can we just watch him play? It's funny how we end up making an entire – there's like entire media groups that are – it's all about the immediate well, reaction. It goes to, right back to – we have your, no idea. It goes, back to, it goes back to this whole conversation, evaluate the evaluator. I mean, who's evaluating this? Who's, who's saying the guy is no good? Evaluate him. You know, like who's saying that? Like, like who's saying the guy is good? Like the other last week, Daniel Jones was the best quarterback according to the – you know, who UBR. says that? Who says that? Like, how can you put the chase is the 40th best receiver in football? Who says that? Evaluate the evaluator. What we do know, though, at least on the Jared Goff front, and I went back, looked at all the outdoor stats, it, because you laid out your, your general belief that when this Detroit team, we get to cold weather, it becomes pretty obvious in your minds, not going to be the same efficient offensive team. Outdoors at Chicago, November 13th, the Giants, November 20th, the... Jets, December 18th. The Panthers, December 24th. That's kind of, we'll see if that's actually cold weather. And the Packers, January 8th to end the season. So you have a bunch of situations still to come on golf, specifically outdoors. And I looked at last year, four outdoor games where he was active. Averaged 218 and a half yards per game. Five touchdowns, five turnovers in those spots with two picks and three fumbles lost. 218 yards per game in the 2022 NFL for an offense that's pretty heavily pass first, it's a pretty underwhelming number to be throwing yeah. out, especially for a team that trailed as much as they did a season ago, only winning three games. I was surprised to see the numbers that low, Michael. I didn't think it would have, it would have been that severe of a drop-off going to outdoors, but as you talk about, there's clearly a statistical gap that we can look at with a, a guy like Goff. Oh, he averaged. He got he threw for two hundred and eleven against the Patriots, and and that game was over really almost at halftime. It was over in the third quarter, and they only threw for two eleven, right? So, I mean, I think to me this Detroit team. I don't think they're for as tough as guy for a tough guy that Dan Campbell presents himself as. I don't get the sense they're a tough team. They have no toughness on defense. I mean, zero toughness on defense. I mean, when you give up 216 yards rushing in the opening game, then you come back and give up 235 to Seattle, and New England runs for 176, are you really a tough team? Are you? I mean, stopping the run is about being tough and physical and be having guys in gaps. That's not a, it's, not like a, it's not a mismatch like back in the day when Oklahoma would play Tulsa or something like that, you know, right. where they just out-talent you. To me, that, that's the part of it. I think we always we, – we don't ask the selfs. I think it's one of the problems with the Colts. The Colts have lost their toughness. The head, the head coach gives you toughness. You have to get toughness from the head coach or somewhere in the organization. I think it's Cincinnati's problem. There's no toughness there. And Detroit, 31st against the pass, 31st against the run. I like to look at some of the statistical sites that show you the visualizations, you know, on the big the plotting graph to see, all right, where are these teams? You have the elite teams up here, you know, top right, awful teams are way down bottom left. And when you look at the visualization so far through five weeks, there's a bunch of teams scattered all over the place. There's really only two teams in that bottom left corner that are just awful. It's the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions. They are on an island, Michael. I mean, it looks like they might as well be in Hawaii when I look at this map compared to, compared to the rest of these teams if you compare how this is plotted out to the, to the contiguous 48 here. It's, it's so bad what Detroit's doing, and I don't know how it gets better. That's the, that's the question. You talk about personnel. Well, it, Where, what is the path forward here for Detroit? Yeah, well, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't. I mean, that hasn't got – look, it wasn't like this was top secret, right? Like last year, did, did you anybody watch Detroit's defense last year? You can blame it all on Matt Patricia, but, like, did anybody watch? Like, it was bad, right? And so, you know, but did they address it? Did they fix anything? Do they know how to fix it? That's the other issue. 
I mean, they were just as bad last year. They were 31st in points allowed, 29th in yards allowed. You know, I mean, you know, they, they were 30, they were 32nd in, in yards per allowed per pass. They were 21 in yards per allowed. I mean, it was a comedy. I mean, they never really, it, they never fixed it. So to me, when you go into an offseason and the problems are there the next season, you know, then you didn't really fix it. I mean, you really didn't, you didn't understand how to fix it. And it's not, you that's what it's all about. It's about how do I mm-hmm. fix the problems? A, identifying the problems, and B, how do I fix it? I, I, I think Detroit has always been an organization that's run by a corporate mentality. They have way too many people involved. You know, you got your boy Chris Spielman over there telling you well, it's all about toughness. Well, I don't know how Chris Spielman watches his Lions and thinks he's, got a, he's working for a tough team. The stats don't lie, and you said it. From last year, 30th against the pass. Overall, right around bottom three, and it has not gotten better whatsoever this year it does lead into our pro tip and we talked about this when it, as it relates to we now have issues on both sides of the ball here with Detroit Jared Goff at quarterback as well as the defense as a whole where if you pay attention to situational spots as a handicapper and that's our pro tip this hour you can find certain teams who struggle in certain environments one primary one being teams like the Lions proven to play poor not only on the road but as we talked about and laid out the stats on Jared Goff outdoors in in particular and so You have a 29 loss on the road. First game for Detroit outdoors this season. You can look for certain trends like that. We're not a believer in blindly following random trends, but when it's something super specific like this on Detroit, those are things that are borne out in in statistical evidence long-term. Again, all of our pro tips searchable at vcin.com. At least for Detroit, you look down the card this week. We don't see the Lions. They do have a bye week, but you were talking about this last break. Four different teams who now have bye weeks starting next week who do play today. We discussed the angles for Minnesota, laying three and a half at Miami. Discussed the angle on Philadelphia, now laying six against Dallas. The two other ones here, Bills at Chiefs, which will be a big talking point all week. Bills laying three. Bills have the bye week next week. And then you have the Rams coming off the spot where you're laying ten and a half at home. There was a respected group had a big release on Carolina yesterday. So the number moved from 11 to ten and a half in the Panthers' first game without the fired head coach Matt Rule. How do you trust, I mean, for the Rams here, you, you think uh, going into a bye, that might galvanize the team a little bit? I don't know. I feel like I'm searching, though, for any sort of any sort of uh, whiff I, to look I, to back the Rams. I mean, I think, you, you know, sometimes when we start to play that game, um, the motivation game, like how does that work? We, we're, we're really reaching, you know. You know, I, I heard somebody say, I read Instagram. I think they're really a, a, a team that's coming together. Look, it comes down to players and plays, and the Rams are, are going to have a hard time. Look, they may win the game. They're going to, you know, can they win the game? Sure. But they haven't played well, and they're going to go against a front that's going to really be give them some issues, especially if they can't get some kind of balance with their offense. We make so much, especially in handicapping. Look ahead spot, let down spot, yeah, bye week yeah. coming up at the end. And you know what? I'm in, when you're in the league, nobody ever talks about that. That's that's all we need to know, or we should know, as handicappers at least. If you've been in the league, they don't talk about it, so why do we pay attention to it? Uh, when we return, Megan Payton from Wager Talk. She's got some player props to discuss with us. Always great to have Megan on the show. That'll be up next here on Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. 
So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Attention BetMGM customers, have a friend who loves sports as much as you do. Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement at BetMGM and get a $50 bonus. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable site credit. Site credit expires in 30 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. Back with Michael. I'm Ben Wilson. It's Patrick Maher's off day. He's back tomorrow on the show as we are so pleased to be joined now. Recurring guest. It's always great whenever we have Megan Payton on from Wager Talk. Does a great job there as a sports betting analyst. Give her a follow at Megan Payton 7 Always talking player props with you, Megan. It's wild to think we're five weeks into the year. We've seen how the market has kind of evaluated a bunch of different players, either to the good or to the bad. Uh, how has the first month plus gone for you as you've gone through the whole week-to-week evaluation here of all these players? Well, first of all, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Michael, for having me join. I always love talking player props with you, and it's crazy that we're already entering week six. But you're right. It has shifted. The market has. And what do we always say? Vegas knows best. And you've got to find ways to you know, create some value. So just like anything, there's been weeks that have been great, and there's been weeks that have maybe not been as great. But player props are always fun for me because the way – you know, my background is – just NFL in general. I approach most of my betting from an NFL analyst side, if that makes sense. So I'm looking almost like you would if you're playing fantasy. Like if there's a player that you're really high on, I don't really necessarily care what the value is at that point. I'm going to bet with the stats that back it up. But it's interesting to me. I think the best way you can find value in player props still right now, even as we see Vegas getting a little bit sharper, is Find players that you think are going to either have a breakout game or find players that you really feel like are on the verge of declining. I think a great example, and I believe I actually talked to you guys about this a few weeks ago, was uh, Texans running back Damian Pierce. So he was at a line at about 50, 50 and a half, I'd say going into week three. And I knew that he was going to have a breakout game because not necessarily the numbers and the formula that you plug on in, but because you're listening to the press conferences, you're listening to what's happening in that locker room. Head coach Lovey Smith had made it very clear that Damian Pierce was going to be their starting guy. And then you look at just the way that he's trending upwards. So I remember that was the first time I had taken the over on Damian Pierce. And to be honest, that's a player right now that's still undervalued. You talk about where are they getting it right, where are they getting it wrong. Damian Pierce mm, is yeah. still, the line is still set for him in like the 60s, 70s, yet he's having over 100 rushing yards in some games. He's hitting 90. He's a player right now that I don't think Vegas is as on top of. 
How about Ramonde Stevenson from the Patriots, Megan? Do you think he's still undervalued? The guy averages 5'5", five, five a carry. You know, he's got 68 carries over five weeks, which isn't really a lot of carries. Now with Damian Harris being injured, I, I think he's undervalued in the passing game, too. They've only thrown him, they've attempted to throw him 16 targets. He's caught 13 of them. But I, I wonder if he's undervalued. I think that's a great example. And to be honest, I think I don't know yet about him. You know, there's certain players where it's it's hard to make that like distinction. Are they undervalued? Is Vegas getting this right? And especially without consistency. That's what I'm really trying to look for is how consistent is their, you know, trajectory. And obviously Damian Pierce hurt right now, but you can see how he actually was going upwards each week climbing higher and higher. That's what I try to look for. And then, you know, you talk about, you know, players that are maybe overvalued. I'll talk about Bengals uh, wide receiver Jamar Chase, and I might get a little bit of hate for this, but the line last week for him was at 85 and a half. If you took the under, you won big 50 yards is what Jamar Chase had. The lines obviously haven't come out this week for the Sunday games, but I'm expecting Jamar Chase to still be in that 70 range when we look at the opening lines. I'm going to take the under on someone like him. The Bengals offense struggling as much as they're starting to regain their season a little bit. They're still not looking like the Super Bowl team that we saw last year. So there's certain players that you've got to watch out for. And I think Jamar Chase is a perfect example of someone that is being overvalued. And Damian Pierce is a perfect example of someone being undervalued. Yeah. And isn't that a great example, too? It's not yep. the player specifically. And, and Michael, we you missed it, Megan. Yeah, we did the whole thing. But, Jamar Chase, you know, how is how does PFF not have him in the top 40? But it's not the player specifically. Typically, it's more the scheme, and right. is he able to, you right. know, what, is, what else yeah, is going what, on offensively? I think what Megan's saying is a great point. I mean, the, the, the defensive coordinators go into the game saying, we can't allow Chase to have a big play. We're going to double him. Yeah. We're going to make sure that he doesn't. I mean, the Saints are not dumb. They're going to do the same thing this week, you know? And so the ball has to go to Higgins, or it has to go to Boyd, and that's been the problem. And then you add in the offensive line. So I think what Megan's saying is true is, is until they find a way to play left-handed – the Cincinnati Bengals, Chase's numbers are going to keep coming down. Absolutely. And it's the same thing with Cooper Cup. They've got to find ways to get him open. Cooper Cup's a fantastic receiver. Jamar Chase is a fantastic receiver. But if you can't find ways from a coaching perspective, and Michael, I mean, you can speak on this too. If you can't find ways to get your star wide receiver open, their numbers are going to keep going down. And you can't have that happen. That's what we're seeing happen in Los Angeles with the Rams. And we're seeing that with the Bengals and Jamar Chase. Yeah, and that's a great point. And then I think, like, with the Raiders, with Devontae Adams, right now Devontae Adams is getting his catches, but what's happening here with the Raiders is he's getting his percentage of catch isn't as high as it was. When he was in Green Bay last year, he averaged over 72% of the targets to the catches. The Raiders need to increase that. Right now he's in the 50s. You know, he's too good of a player. They're getting him the football, but they need to get it to him more often. And you're right, Megan, great coaches find a way. You can't take away a player by motion, by where you put him in the form. It's hard to double a guy when he's in a tight split. It's hard to double a guy when he's moving across the form. Who's got him? I got him. Nobody's got him. I think you're dead on. And what do we know historically in general? Everybody loves to bet the stars, love to bet him over. And it, you, you know this better than anybody, Megan. The, sometimes the value can be on the under, especially when you're talking about the big, big names. What's funny about that, though, is we turn to Thursday Night Football. It's, a, it's an ugly game on the surface. I know Michael's a glutton for punishment. Michael will be watching this game so intently every single play with Washington <laughs> and Chicago. But no real big names here from the prop perspective. And because this is the lowest totaled game we've had all season, we're down to 36 and a half in some spots now, 37 pretty much market-wide. It's nuts. And we're expecting win to the latest reports right around the 20-mile-per-hour range, which we have the data in NFL games that are are at the 20-mile-an-hour range or over on the wind. Usually your average total is right around 37. And that doesn't factor in the awful nature of both of these offenses coming in. So with all that out of the way, where do you look for value when, when you take a look at the props on this game with all the subdued numbers that we're going to get for Thursday night? It's hard, Ben, and I'm finding value, especially in the receptions perspective. If you're looking, one of my favorites actually is running back David Montgomery over two and a half receptions. You can find uh, that at plus 105 at ben, on Gym last time I checked. That's pretty good. And I know right now we're looking at these offenses and saying, like, this is going to be a snooze fest. I remember last Thursday when everyone was like, this game cannot end soon enough. We started looking up, all right, well, what's the week six Thursday 
night game, everyone was disappointed when they saw it was Commanders Bears because this is a sloppy offense. These are defenses that are honestly still trying to get a connection going there too. But I like David Montgomery over two and a half receptions. He had, uh, what, four receptions last week against the Vikings. He had three receptions in week one. And I don't think it's going to be as bad as we're expecting. We were all thrown for it last week in the Colts-Broncos game. I think it'll be a little bit better. So I'm finding some value there. I also still like wide receiver Terry McLaurin over 48 and a half receptions. He's had over 55 uh, receiving yards in four of the last five games this season. That's pretty good. It might be a slow offensive games, but there's still ways you can find some overs, I think. You know, the hard part about this game is is Justin Fields averages – he's got 49 completed passes in ten in five games. I mean, high school players have yeah. better numbers than that. I mean, he's got he's – almost, he almost has more fumbles than he does completed passes per game. I mean, I, so for someone in your role, how do you handy – it's impossible to take any receiver for the Bears on an overtotal or, or, or not to play the under because there's a good chance even if he's open, it's not going to get completed. Yeah, it's pretty hard. And to be completely honest, Michael, these aren't games that I love to bet on player prop wise. So I try to find players and, you know, props that are just really, really good value. That's why I'm taking Montgomery over mm-hmm. two and a half receptions and plus money, because at least if it hits, you're winning big there. And I think there is a chance with a player like him, you know, a couple quick tosses to Montgomery. We just need three. It's not my favorite bet. It's not my favorite game to bet, but you've got to find value somewhere. It's a Thursday night no standalone game. We got to have action somewhere. So you're doing yeoman's <laughs> That's work. That's right. Uh, Megan Payton Thank joining you, Megan. us. Megan, great Thank stuff as so always. Much. Give her a follow at Megan always. Payton 7 appreciate Sports you, Analyst Megan. for Wager Talk. We really appreciate it as always, and I'm sure we'll have you on again Thank soon, you. Megan. Thank you guys so much. Always love coming on. Uh, let's have Absolutely. a good Thursday night game. Yeah, we'll, we'll do our best. Let's hey, I'm sure a way. lot of people will be betting that no touchdown. It cashed at 120 to one last week, Michael. Going to be a lot of action on that this week. I'm sure that have number you watched, is a have lot. Have you watched this Washington game. defense? They could blow they, a coverage with the best of anybody. They, I mean, they seriously. Can. All right, AFC <laughs> South. We promise we talk that division. We'll discuss it next here on the show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.